0: Climbing gold is a production of duct tape and beer.
1: Alex, question. Do you ever feel anxious or or nervous about climbing before you do it, like the night before or something like that?
0: No, I, I guess um I mean I definitely have had a hard time sleeping before some climbs but for me that's generally before big alpine outings so when your alarm is set for midnight and you're about to do some huge thing in the mountains and I think for me that that maybe triggers a little more anxiety because it's so far outside of my comfort zone and then then I guess you know occasionally I get a little anxiety trying to red point a sport route or things like that and then I guess I've done you know a handful of competitions over the years and and experienced the same kind of nerves before those a little bit because you know i hate performing in front of people but, but i don't I don't know i mean it all seems relatively normal
1: do you think that other climbers in your peer group that, you know in the sort of professional realm of the sport do you think that they feel stress or or pressure in their job because like I think someone like me, or to a lot of listeners out there, on paper being a professional climber, I think most passionate climbers would be like, hell yeah, sign me up.
0: See, there are definitely a lot of professional climbers that struggle with not just the pressure of climbing, like trying to perform at the level that they want for climbing, but then also wanting to live up to whatever it means to be a professional climber, you know, thinking they should be climbing more or harder or doing cooler things or making better videos or whatever. I mean, I think that there, there are a lot of high-end climbers that put a lot of pressure on themselves, which, you know, is, is probably how, you know, that's probably partially how they've become professional climbers because they push themselves to, to climb really hard. Um, yeah, I think it's not that uncommon to see people putting a lot of pressure on themselves to, to perform in various ways. I often think of this quote from Julius Irving, NBA player, um, who said something to the effect that being a professional means doing the thing you love, even on the days you don't love it. I mean, I think it applies to climbing quite a bit because there are definitely days where you don't want to go to the crag. It's it's too cold, it's too windy, conditions seem grim, you know, your skin hurts. But I feel like being a professional means going to the crag on all those days and, and trying your best either way. I mean, so much of sport is performing when you personally don't necessarily want to. But I mean, that, that's what being a professional is.
1: Yeah. and. And at least with outside climbing you you can set yourself up for having multiple chances for success uh in competition climbing like you, you don't get to pick the day right that's what makes it so hard
0: it is a test of who can present their best performance at that given moment you know and I think the the performing your best on command is is the real challenge I mean be, because so much of that is mental it's like you know, I mean, the, the point of competition is to, to put that pressure on people and to, you know, to make it hard to perform in that moment. Because otherwise, competitions could just be decided by, by videos of people's best campusing performances or something like that. You know, you could just, you know, test people's basic fitness in, in some, you know, simple way. Just be like, who's the strongest? The thing about a competition is you don't care who's the strongest. You care about who performs at their best in that moment that is the challenge like that that's that is the sport like that's what makes it hard
1: today we have something a little different we talk with ashima shirishi
0: ashima is one of the most well-known sort of wonder child climbers in the u.s i mean ashima started climbing new york city i think she climbed v9 within the first six months of climbing which gives a sense of, of where her trajectory was headed. She's now one of the few women in the world to have climbed B-15, uh, which especially at the time was one of, you know, maybe the hardest bouldering grade in the world when, when she climbed it, um, or, or close. You know, and, and for many years when she was a, a child, she was bouldering her age, uh, or, or maybe bouldering harder than her age. You know, so bouldering B-13 at age 13, things like that, uh, which is which is pretty impressive.
1: She won Youth World Championships three times in a row from 2015 to 2017 in both lead and bouldering in a field that would include many future Olympians.
0: Uh, She's also route climbed some of the hardest routes in the world, something like 9A-ish, like 14D, 15A-ish. Funny anecdote about Ashima is that I actually ran into her this summer uh, on the Cosmic Rhett, which is a big snowy mountainside, basically above Chamonix in France and she had just competed in the the lead world cup and i think she placed seventh which is pretty solid you know made it into finals and then the next morning she went up she took the the gondola up to the top of the mountain to go climb this this 513 yeah digital crack was the thing that she was trying it's called a crack but it's actually just a bolted face as you would expect from from uh (laughs) european climbing
1: (laughs) we'll just slander them a little bit right now yeah
0: yeah of course i mean come on (laughs) It's like Everything is bold. I mean, it you know, deserves a little teasing. Anyway, so the day that we were up there, uh, I, I was up on the ridge just basically scrambling this ridge with crampons and tools just to, to help acclimatize, to get ready for, for other high altitude climbs. But then we come around this corner and we see Ashima trying to sport climb, but it was actively snowing. It was very cold. It was horrendous conditions and you could see like an ice and water runnel going down the route. And basically she tried it for a little bit and was just kind of like, this is, this is too wet. Like, this is not climbable. And I was like, yeah, I could have told you that from town. You could have just looked up in the mountains and seen the dark clouds and the grim conditions and looked at the forecast. But, but anyway, it gave me a lot of respect for somebody who will compete in a lead World Cup and then the next day go up into the
1: mountains and have this big adventure. I was like, respect, that is motivated. Scroll through Ashima's Instagram videos or watch her on a good day of World Cup climbing and she has this effortless look to her climbing smooth, controlled, balanced. And the same could be said for a lot of the world's best. They can make difficult things look serene. But when we asked Shima to walk us through what goes through her mind on the day of a competition, we realized that there is a turbulence, a tension beneath that outward calm. That turbulence and tension, it's a design feature of competition climbing. As Rootsitter Tande Cattillo explained in the last episode, simply setting hard moves won't separate the world's best. A competitor needs to be challenged physically, intellectually, and mentally. So, we wanted to hear what that experience was like. And what we got was an open and honest look into the mind of a competitor.
0: I'm Alex Arnold. I'm Fitz This is Climbing Gold. I've been a North Face athlete for almost 18 years, which has been incredible, and I've always appreciated their commitment to exploration. Summit Series is the name of the pinnacle North Face products that I use on every expedition, and I love that their tagline is athlete tested and expedition proven. I've personally tested these products all over the world, and they've always proven themselves. Future Fleece is the next generation base layer that I wear almost every day of climbing outside, whether on the wall or at the crag. You can shop the full Summit Series collection at thenorthface.com. I first found Coros when I was looking for a GPS watch that could track my biggest outdoor adventures. I needed something with a massive battery life that was also robust enough to handle the climbing. As it turns out, Coros is the only GPS watch brand that has done some serious development for climbers, from multi-pitch GPS tracking to indoor programmed workouts. The watches have a mind-blowing battery life. The Vertex watch series lasts for more than 100 hours in GPS activities, so I only need to charge it once every several weeks. (laughs) I only need to charge my watch so sporadically that I can never find the charger because I haven't used it in six
2: weeks.
0: (laughs) If you're interested in bringing new technology into your climbing training and tracking, you should consider their new Vertex 2S. Go to koros.com and use the code CLIMBINGGOLD to secure a free watch carabiner with the purchase of your new Vertex 2S.
3: I have to go to the bathroom multiple times because that's kind of like a nervous instinct I have. Sometimes my hands are sweating, my toes, my feet are sweating. Sometimes I just kind of have a hard time breathing easily. So I take deep breaths and just remember that it's just climbing and it's gonna be fun. I walk towards isolation, and during that walk I usually listen to some music to hype me up a bit, hip-hop, rap, that gets me fired up to climb and ready to go. So I usually have about an hour or so of warm-up time. I find my little nook to put my stuff in, my bags climbing shoes, get everything out. I start my warm-up routine which includes mostly a lot of stretching, a lot of dynamic stretches. Sometimes I do some jump roping to get my heart rate going. It's very interesting to see how people warm up. Everyone has their own routines and I see people stretching, I see people giving each other climbs to warm up on. Come on. Yes. I see all these different girls and guys pulling off these crazy moves that are absolutely insane. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I always question like, did I prepare enough for this? Am I strong enough to be competing at this level? So my dad, he often mentored me. He was a dancer and he's really studied a lot of like meditation tactics and ways to, you know, not get distracted and like a lot of like mental philosophies. This is like one quote that he has. Shizuka de tsuyoi kimochi. The translation isn't really accurate, but it's like having a quiet and like deep soul. I think I try to apply that to my climbing pretty often because it's really important to like be calm but also just like have that like fire inside of you and like ignite your soul almost <laughs> when you're about to climb. You know to on. Depending on how you placed after qualifications if you did really well you're at the end of the line so you come out last but if you didn't do so well you come out really early it's very nerve-wracking because the final people in isolation are oftentimes the strongest people and you know you're surrounded by all these really strong climbers and You're seeing the really hard moves that they're pulling off.
0: Come on, get it right now, come on.
3: There's a lot of questions going on in your head. This might be really hard, what if I slip? What if this move doesn't work? Why am I not feeling great right now in isolation? Should I keep warming up? Am I gonna be pumped on the wall? Should I stop warming up? Did I eat enough? Should I drink more water? You hear the climber who is ahead of you. So they're currently climbing on the wall and you hear the crowd going. Sometimes I get a little shaky. and My hands are sweating. I usually just give myself that mantra that my dad tells me, Shizuka de got kimochi. Kind of just like repeat that to myself to calm myself down and Also, just breathing deep. And then, they call your name. So when I was six years old, I was at the playground in Central Park after school almost every day. And there's a massive rock right next to the playground where a lot of the kids would just like play tag on. One day I just like saw these people, like older men, they were (laughs) climbing on the rock. All the kids were just like gawking basically at these climbers because we never really seen it or paid attention to it at least. One of the people at the rock called Yuki, he was like this really old school climber. He really like taught me all the basics of climbing. The first time I tried it, I couldn't do anything. Like, I was just sliding all over the place, but somehow it was just a really addictive sport. I was like really welcomed by the climbing community. They really, you know, welcomed me in and they supported me. And a lot of them were actually members of the climbing gym. So they told me about it. And thankfully, the climbing gym just allowed me to climb there for free because my parents couldn't afford to climb at the gym.
2: Here comes Ashima. Never won a World Cup second last year in Shiamen in 2018. Can she claim the World Cup win that people have been predicting she could for so long? She's got a very big opportunity tonight.
3: In Chamonix, it's a giant crowd. So for finals, it was like, I think there's close to like 10,000 or something. You see a lot of lights shining at you. It's pretty blinding actually. It's a very lonely experience sometimes where you can't really see your friends, you can't see other people that you know. And then for 40 seconds, You can face the climbing wall, scan it through, and then after that's done, you have to get on the wall. Those few seconds that I have right before going on is always the hardest. Thinking about the little things that might go wrong. The European route setting is very different. They have a minimalistic way of setting. So don't have options for your feet everywhere. They just put holes where you need them and that's all. I apply a lot of pressure on myself to make the perfect movements and to not make any mistakes on the wall, which obviously <laughs> never goes right.
2: So the wall here in Chamonix divided into four panels, uh, the least steep being the top and the bottom and then she's
3: on the... Uh, the first few moves... Are still a little bit shaky. Right the, course, the climb is pretty difficult, I would say, probably like five, fourteen, four B A.
2: Both men's and women's routes go on to that big red feature, and it's enabled them just to be a little more creative. Just checks the time machine. I am on a
3: running clock, which is, I think, it's like six minutes. Speed is often what competitions come down to. Really bad left foothold on the side of that right
4: volume. That's the left foot I'm talking about. Uh, nicely done from Mashima though. Puts the power through that foot. About too many issues. She's actually climbing quite you do hesitate down. a lot
3: because you're unsure of what's next, and you're end. oftentimes just unsure of how the holds are or how the moves no,
2: that, should be. Take a break before the job I sometimes
3: struggle if a movement comes at me that was not expected or if a hold that I grab is a lot worse than I thought or sometimes it's a lot better than I thought and sometimes I struggle by you know being just shocked that the hold isn't what I expected it to be and other times if it's really good, I have a hard time because I end up resting more than I should be on that hold.
4: When I get to a certain
3: crux sequence, I can tell a few movements beforehand by just looking at those holds that it's going to be a hard part. This is the territory we can't start to rest though, it's a
4: real show of power and Ashima has bags of it, look at that left arm lock
3: off strength, really nice. So move. right before that I try so to shake move. out a little bit, breathe again, and kind of just blast through it.
4: <laughs> this is the move then, huh? getting close to the high point of Molly Thompson-Smith. So Ashima slaps
2: out right, so that's the, that was the move where we lost Molly. So she'll head out. When she goes left, that's hold 13. There's only 42 on the route, so with 145 left, I think she's got her pace pretty good,
3: actually. Yeah, Lactic Acid it's is slowly accumulating, but I try to shake people people it and off and so that I have some really really power left. To... Sometimes I get power from the crowd cheering me on. Sometimes I hear distinct voices of my friends.
2: Bumps up again, Ashima Shirashi going really well here. Up to the volcano, still looking strong. Really needs to get that clip done now.
3: By the time that I get to the head wall, which is like the last few movements of the climbing wall, I'm usually very pumped. Mentally, it's hard to tell if you're actually tired or you're just thinking that about yourself. And your arms are just gassed, but you just keep pushing, and you slowly creep up to the last few moves. And if she can
2: pull but oftentimes,
3: the last few moves are the hardest. There's oftentimes a lunge, or just a jump to the last finishing hold. And you eye it down you go for it. Top section
4: could be quite slow to color climb, but she knows
3: it now, she's really picking up the pace all of a sudden. And sometimes you stick it.
4: Big grimace. Uh, good fight for Ashima. Good show.
3: But sometimes you fall on that last First hold or anywhere towards the top.
2: First
4: impression is very positive on this route.
3: And then you get lower to the ground. Climbers out.
4: I mean, this women's field is so close. It's really hard to tell by one person's performance how the difficult.
3: If I'm happy with how I climbed, I'm at a very happy place, but then if I'm disappointed in myself, sometimes I have a few tears rolling down. If I had a bad day, I come to my senses and realize that I just have to keep training, push myself, But then when I have a good day, I'm happy for a few hours, but then there's always a next competition that I'm looking at, or a next rock climb that I'm looking at. And if I did well at one competition, I'm scared to lose that for my next one. At the end of the day, it's just a rock climb, but it's crazy that it means so much to me. One move can mean so much.
1: Thanks to Shima for sharing and to our senior producer, Elizabeth Nakano, for pulling it together. We'll be back right for the break for a few final thoughts.
0: Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix formulated with a science-backed ratio of sodium to potassium to magnesium. Each packet delivers a meaningful dose of electrolytes free of sugar, artificial colors, or other dodgy ingredients. It tastes great, and I've used it extensively on expeditions. Element is formulated for anyone looking to restore health through hydration and is perfectly suited for athletes, folks who are fasting, or those following keto, low-carb, whole food, or paleo diets. Try Element totally risk-free, if you don't like it, they'll refund your order, no questions asked. So whether you're new or returning Element customer, you can get a free Element sample pack with any drink mix order when you go to drinkelement.com slash climbinggold. That's drinklmntcom slash climbinggold. Dr. Squatch crafts natural, high-performance personal care products with no harmful ingredients. I don't shower often, but when I do, I use Dr. Squatch. I especially like the Summer Citrus Bar Soap. From soap to shampoo to conditioner, they help me look, feel, and smell my best for whatever adventure I go on. They're offering listeners 20% off any purchase for new customers with the code CLIMBINGGOLD or you can go to DrSquatch.com slash Honnold. Dr. Squatch, get dirty, stay clean.
1: that line at the end the at the end of the day it's just rock climbing but it means so much to me a single move can seem so much there's just there's so much in there right and i'm curious like have you ever you know felt obsessed or or with with a particular climb
0: i don't know i mean yeah i definitely obsess over rock climbs from time to time you know i'll get fixated on things or work on projects for a long time i don't know i mean to me that it, it always feels kind of healthy i'm like that's the whole point like in a lot of ways the point of life to me is to obsess over things and to work on things and to use those things to to bring out the best in you you know i mean there's nothing wrong with being obsessed with some rock climb if it's motivating you to to sort of lead your best life you know to eat well and to train and to stay motivated and to fit and hop out of bed in the morning and pack your bag and go to the crag yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with that level of obsession i think that it's only a problem You know, if it's pathological, like if, if it becomes really dark for you, I I don't know. I mean, this, this stuff is all interesting because everybody has their own, their own path through it. You know, it's like, you can be obsessed in a good way or you can be obsessed in a bad way. And it's, and it's really a fine line between the two. I think for me personally, I've maybe gotten a little bit less obsessive as I get older. Uh, Maybe just because I have more things going on in life and it kind of forces a little bit more balance with the climbing or just because I've done a lot of the things that I was really obsessed over. I mean, a lot of the the big solos that I've done, you know, were things I was like, that's gonna be a big deal. And then then you finally do it and you're like, you know what, it's actually not that big a deal. It's like life goes on and you just keep keep carrying on.
1: I was thing is, I could've asked that question in a different way, like because I think that the words passionate and obsessed are realistically, they're interchangeable words to a lot of people. Like it's sort of kind of two sides of the coin that's what I love about humanity and I think that's what makes people interesting, not just climbers, but, but anyone is that people can just like latch on to stuff and follow it through. I don't think that a lot of progress has necessarily always been made by like super balanced people. <laughs> like, you know, like it, <laughs> totally. it, it, it like, totally. like there's a side of it. It's like, where it's like, ah, uh, well, you got to realize it's like, you probably aren't going to like, you know, create an idea and further it out into the world that, that alters it or build a giant corporation and be like a really in touch parent, you know, like, like truthfully, it's like those thing two things are hard to do and you kind of have to be cognizant of it of when you want to bring those things. But I think it is wonderful. Like that's, that's a side about like humanity that I love is that there are people just geeking out on things and caring irrationally Mm -hmm. about, about them in all different walks of life. And I, you know, like from your perspective, you've met a lot of pretty incredible people. And like, do you kind of see that in, in some of the, some of the people you've ha- you've had a chance to meet or interact with is that they just kind of care, you know, maybe irrationally about one thing and have just followed it down a rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with all of that 100% That that nothing great gets achieved without a deep commitment to it. Uh, I will say, though, that, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of sort of classy events and, and met all kinds of folks. And um, I feel like I shouldn't shouldn't like name names, but like, you know, say say some of the richest people in the world. And the thing is, when you meet them in, in a social setting, they seem relatively normal, you know, engaged, gre- gregarious, you know, charming. You're like, what a nice person. But, yeah, for them to reach that point in life of, you know, creating some of the, the biggest companies in the world... Like, surely they have made a lot of personal sacrifices and, and pushed very hard, you know, I've, and there's, there's no chance that they're, that they're dabbling in lots of different sports and, and spending their weekends playing with their friends. If you want to do something unique and challenging, you have to be fully committed to it. There has to be an intrinsic passion to it. Like, you have to be very excited about what you're doing and working on it with, you know, with a consuming passion.
1: Yeah, because there's going to be difficult times right like that passion has to carry you through the hard times otherwise you just like stop with successful people we often sort of see them as balance whether that's like athletes or whether that's um, you know just people that are successful in life or like that, that do many things and and it's it's kind of funny because you're like I don't know that concept of balance really gets sold to us I think a lot of times and I I think it's like I think there's another way of looking at it. Like I always think of, I think of a tightrope walker. Right? Um, to the people watching, it looks like super effortless. Right? It, it's steady. It's smooth. It's graceful. It looks easy, and we think of that as balance. But inside that tightrope walker's body. The, there's all these muscles hard at work they're like flexing in opposition they're they're moving against other muscles against gravity and, and the mind is keeping it all together and basically that tightrope walker's body is in unrelenting conflict <laughs> but we perceive it as balance right and and there's, a, there's this cognitive gap between it I think it's important that we when we see something doing something incredible either athletically or creatively with their life it's, it's almost like we mistake the word balanced for relaxed because I, I don't think That balance necessarily feels feels good and it looks it looks beautiful and looks graceful but inside maybe it's not i don't know would you you buy that
0: no i think that's a great analogy i think that's i think that's great and (laughs) that's actually a pretty good comparison for a lot of climbing too you're like oh they look so balanced but they're actually flexing every muscle in their body to do it.
1: Thanks to Shima for sharing your experiences and to the IFSC for the use of audio from the competition. Climbing Gold is a production of Duct Tape Than Beer. Alex Honnold is our host. This episode was written, edited, mixed, and sound designed by our senior producer, Elizabeth Nakano. Additional editing and mixing by Cordelia Zars, who also collaborated with me to compose the music for the show, Music Today, by Brendan O'Connell and Amy Stolzenbach. Art direction by Anya Miller. Our executive producers from Duct Tape Than Beer are Lisey Hendricks and Becca Call. From RXR Sports, Jonathan Retzig and Ben Andy. I'm Fitzgahal. Thanks for listening.